0: Good morning, and welcome to First Baptist Church of Savannah, Georgia on this 10th Sunday after Pentecost, getting to the end of summer. Uh, for those of you who are guests here, uh, school in Savannah starts on Thursday. Whew, that seems really early, um, and so we are gearing up to uh, start our school year back uh, this coming week, but it is good to be here today. For those of you who are guests from out of town, it is great to see you. For those of you who are guests from in town, it is good to see you as well. There is a uh, card in the pew in front of you uh, that if you would mind filling that out, that would be much appreciated. Let's get to know you and um, let's get to send some things to you if you are interested in being a part of this community. Also, for those who are here every week, whose faces we see all the time, it is good to have you in this place. The family that we call our community and who we do life with it is good for you to be in this place so that we may worship the God who created us and loves us all. So will you join me as we worship together and join me with this call to worship. Give thanks to the Lord for God is good. The Lord upholds those who are falling. Let us worship God. The Lord be with you.
1: Let us pray. God of grace and God of glory, perfecter of our souls, grant that in this hour we may sense your holy presence, worship joyfully, and leave refreshed, knowing that we are loved, forgiven, and empowered to faithfully obey your call. Surely, O Lord, all the saints do adore thee. Amen. Amen.
0: Join me together as we affirm our faith. The First Baptist Church confesses Jesus Christ as Lord on the basis of who he was and is and what he did and does. We confess him to be God's unique son, the Messiah of Israel, the Lord of life. He gave his life even unto death by God's will and for our sake on the cross. He comes again and again by the Holy Spirit to communicate himself to his people. His people are the church. We seek simply to be one visible congregation of Christ's church. We hold Baptist views about the Christian faith. However, we also rejoice in the Lord's gracious gifts to our fellow believers who were called by names other than Baptist? Happily, we count them as our brothers and our sisters. We live out our discipleship by taking seriously our commitment to each other and to the world. We share not only our words, but our money, our time, and our talents with our friends here and with all God's people everywhere. Amen.
2: excited about school starting this week. You are? The roof of your school did blow off. That was a terrible tornado that came out of nowhere. It came out of the ocean. It did. I watched it form. I was standing on top of the museum, not on top of the museum, but in the museum where I work. It was scary. This story, one of the stories today is from the book of John. And it's a story you probably are familiar with. It's about Jesus and feeding five thousand people do you know that story yeah. the one yeah, exactly They're, that's exactly right a miracle okay I'm done that's it I'll pass out the cookies now um, it is about Jesus and it was Passover and he told his disciples that he was going to go and do more teaching because it was Passover and apparently the word was spread that this teacher this man named Jesus was going to be preaching are telling stories because he told lots of stories and when we think about those stories or parables boy they sound really simple but every time i read one of those parables i get something new from it so they're just coming they're seeing these people just come and one disciple says oh jesus we we, it's going to cost us a fortune to feed all these people jesus said don't worry about it basically it's what he said all the disciples are panicking and from the hills and into this valley, more and more people, and people are getting panicky, and it's proof that back then, before, at this time, people weren't called Christians, and there weren't denominations, because if there had been denominations back then, there'd been plenty of food if there were Baptists, because we take food everywhere we go, right? Yeah, and if we don't have enough, Miss Betsy Raven sees to what we do, right? Absolutely, I'm picking on Betsy because I love her. Um, as I was reading the story and thinking about it this week, it reminded me of something that happened at this church about two or three years ago. It was our first uh, Christmas on Chippewa Square where people, all of us sing and some of us dance and we do instruments and all that. And then there's a reception over in Lewis Hall. Um, and it was the first time that we'd done this. So. Sometimes you think, oh, they're gonna be probably just the musicians and nobody else. You think, well, no, we know blah, 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 I'll be here, they come for everything. So we weren't sure and it was gonna be catered by our chef, caterer, Brian Graves. Um, And I had seen Brian earlier in the week because he's, most people don't know it. Brian and I have known each other for a very, very long time before he became a caterer and he said, I'm preparing for about 75 people. Don't you think that's about right? That's what Lauren said, 75 people. I said, sure, sounds great. Well, while we were over here singing, I started looking around, and there were a whole lot more than 75 people. And I thought, well, we opened it up to the community, and the community came. So went over to Lewis Hall, and yeah, there were about 130 people or more. And Brian is standing there with this look on his face, and motioned for me and he grabbed my arm and he said, where's Jesus when you need him? Meaning, we haven't got enough food and we would need a miracle from Jesus. And I said, just stay calm, it will work out. You know what he did? I fixed myself a nice little plate of food and he said, well, we'll start here. And he took my plate away from me and put it back on the platters. He said, you can hold on this. It turned out it was fine we had plenty of food somehow. What then happened was like in the story in the Bible, Jesus told everybody to sit down. They listened to his story. That little boy brought that food and somehow there was plenty of food, just like that night for us. Um, And Jesus said, you're going to always have exactly what you need. Um, great reminder for this week, where well, we have had a tornado. We've had flooding at our house. Mr. Lewis and I are not in really great moods today because we've got a mess. But we're okay. And that's what Jesus was saying. Yes, Katie? There was a huge flood. Yes, that's exactly right. But God is in this place. He's inside each one of us. Um, And we have to remind ourselves when things aren't going really, really great. Now, I don't have 5,000 cookies in here, but I do have some cookies. And you all are going to get one. And when I walked in, Dr. Tom and Josh were teasing me about the cookies. And they said, oh, are those for us? What they don't know, there are a couple in here. For them, they look like hot dogs. (laughs) Each one of you gets one of these. Um, and you girls get one that's a sailboat because what we wanna do is to sail on smooth water, knowing that God is always with us. Our Creator is going to look after us. Even, even in the worst of times, our shepherd will supply our needs. Let's pray. Dear God, We thank you for a place where we can come and just talk, when we can share bad news and people will listen, they will hold our hands, they will say a prayer for us because they're part of our church family. May your peace, your wisdom, and your compassion for all of us be reflected in us as we go about this coming week,
1: amen. The first lesson is from Psalm 145, verses 10 through 18. All thy works shall give thanks to thee, O Lord, and all thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and tell of thy power, to make known to the sons of men thy mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of thy kingdom. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to thee, and thou givest them their food in due season. Thou openest thy hand, thou satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth.
0: The second reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Starting in verse 1, ending in verse 21. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. And when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat he said this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do philip answered him six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little one of his disciples andrew simon peter's brother said to him there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish but what are they among so many people jesus said Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that, had, that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. Here ends the second lesson.
1: The third lesson comes from Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 12 through 21. While some may think that Ephesians was written just to the church at Ephesus, it seems that uh, uh, the, the fact is that this was more of a cyclical letter that it was written not just to that church but to uh, all of the churches that Paul had, uh, had led and taught. And, and so the language is, is much broader and more encompassing than the personal language that you would normally find in one of the other letters more specifically directed to a congregation. Here in this this encyclical, uh, Paul speaks with a kind of boldness that's really remarkable. Hear these words. We have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. I pray therefore that you may not lose heart over my sufferings for you, they are your glory. He goes on, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have uh, the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all fullness of God. And then he concludes with this doxology. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask for or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the written word of the Lord. This story from sermonillustrations.com provides an apt beginning, I think, for this message. A man took his small son with him to town one day to run some errands. When lunchtime came, the two of them went to a familiar diner for, for a sandwich. The father sat down on one of the stools at the counter and lifted the boy up on the seat beside him. They ordered lunch, and when the waiter brought the food, the father said, Son, let's just have a silent prayer today. Dad got through his praying first and waited for the boy to finish his prayer, but he just sat there with his head bowed for an unusually long time. When he finished, he finally looked up. and His father asked him, What in the world were you praying for all that time? With innocence and the honesty of a little child, he replied, How do I know? It was a silent prayer. Fortunately for us, today's lectionary lesson from Ephesians contains the Apostle Paul's prayer for us. And it's anything but silent. It's sensitive, it's emotional, and fervent language demonstrates Paul's love of God for the person of Jesus Christ, the church, and you and me. In fact, he combines all of those into a perfect harmony and blended unity. Let's see how he does it and what that means in terms of informing our faith. Paul prays, first, that we may be strengthened in our inner being. Second, that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And third, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. But note the attitude and manner of his prayer. Paul proclaims that we have the right to approach God boldly with confidence because of our faith. But Paul here kneels before our heavenly father. The custom of the day was to pray standing, arms outstretched and heaven facing, facing forward, facing heavenly. Paul in this total act of submission falls to his knees. It's a posture of a slave before his master or a supplicant before a king, or as my kids found out, a request before his father. Paul not only bows before his heavenly father, but he also kneels in worship and honor and total dependence. He describes God as the father from whom every family on heaven and earth takes its name. The brilliant Greek scholar A.T. Robertson in Word Pictures in the New Testament concludes, all of the various classes of people on earth and angels in heaven get the name of family from God, the father of us all. That means every one of us is related to every other one of us as a creature of God and Jesus Christ is the savior of all, even though one may not know it or yet acknowledge it. That's a staggering thought and uncategorically should motivate our compassion, our generosity, and our care for every other human being on earth. Yes, that even includes the guy who cuts you off in traffic. That includes the fellow with the sign at the corner of Abercorn and Duran, seeking money and includes the little girl crying for her mother at the border crossing, and the politician who can be bought. All are part of the family of God. Paul prays beyond that, asking God to strengthen us in our inner being with power that comes through the indwelling Holy Spirit. As redeemed members of God's family, we're endowed with the ability to exercise self-control, to defeat the power of sin in our lives. When you and I became men and women and children of faith in Jesus Christ, we weren't left there uh, unequipped for the next moment in life. That was just the beginning. From that moment on, Jesus gave us a spiritual assistant. The Bible refers to a paraclete, one who walks beside us, the power of almighty God present but unseen, the third person of the Trinity. Our inner being is that life force found in the mental, physical, emotional apparatus that rises out of both free and not-so-free will? Why does the brain of its own accord give rise to impulses and ideas and thoughts and behavior, emotions, dreams, and confusion? Where does all that come from? To me, it's an incomprehensible mystery. MRIs can't reveal it. There's no shadow on an X-ray, no gene discovered, yet our brains have the power to conjure up emotions and drives and patterns of thought and behavior, which unschooled and unchecked can create mayhem. The corrective comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, who reconciles us to God's will, providing knowledge, wisdom, guidance, and healthy conscience in which God and we have a parallel existence. Paul says, according to the riches of God's glory, The Holy Spirit certainly has moved dramatically in my life and undoubtedly in yours as well. As glorious as this is, Paul even prays for more. He asks that God grant that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith as we are being rooted and grounded in love. First, Paul asks God to give us strength through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And now he asks God to build in us a lodging of faith where Christ may dwell. The analogies uh, are animated here. Love is the operative term. From Genesis to Revelation, Scripture is telling forth God's love. Limitless, enduring, compassionate, self-giving, indescribable and indestructible. In our parallel existence with God, our love, like God's, must put down deep roots fed by moving streams of life-giving water and bolstered by fertile soil, expanding and nourishing, a healthy love, pure and embracing and robust. As Christ dwells in the believer, we begin to sense the vast dimensions of God's love for us, its breadth and length and height and depth, he says, an ever expanding rectangle, which according to God's economy, eventually will encompass us all, like God's love for creation and eventually his his will for love for the entire human family. Such as an understanding is shared by all the saints, Paul says, Christ living in us, taps deep resources of energy, creativity, wisdom, knowledge, compassion, healing, and grace. Christ becomes a transforming presence in which God's purpose in our lives are made clear. And we become a unity with God bound together such as the margins all disappear. Well, on our behalf, that's the prayer Paul lays before God. And the galvanizing presence of Christ is meaningless to the unschooled, but a three-year-old couldn't understand it, nor could an adult unless taught. One can't grow in Christ's likeness unless one knows what Christ is like. The apostle Paul can use this language because he's writing to congregations that he has taught. He knows what they know or should know. And what about us? The same should hold true. Many of us have been in church our whole lives. We've learned more than we can remember. We've heard countless sermons, studied nearly every book in the Bible, can recite numerous scripture passages. Most of us consult commentaries from time to time, use devotional guides, spend time in prayer, serve others as faithful Christians. But the question has to be, can others tell? When people see you, do they see Christ? Are the wholesomeness and authentic charismatic charismatic appeal of Christ flowing out of your life and into the life of others? A question for you to answer. Paul prayer has one last expectation. First, Paul asks for the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he asks for the gift of the indwelling Christ. Then, through the love of Christ, Paul asks God to give us himself, God's self. He prays, I pray that you will know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of Christ is indescribable, greater than we can comprehend, unimaginable, vaster than a cosmos of a hundred octillion stars, that's a one with 29 zeros, grander than the Grand Canyon, deeper than the Challenger Deep near the Philippines, longer than time, immeasurable. Yet Paul asks God to show it to us. And when we come to grips with the breathtaking reality of the love of Christ, All other dimensions begin to blur. We can begin to feel it as its affectionate, forgiving, blessed, inviting reality wraps us in the nurturing, embracing, warm blanket of love that can only come, can only come from Jesus Himself. We then become God filled, God lives in us. We are enabled to do God's will. The apostle Paul prays that God will give us individually and as a church, the Holy Spirit. Give us Christ, give us God as well. A holy unity that includes all believers and the church universal. Paul knows that he's asking for a lot. His prayer is exuberant, original, brilliant, unabashedly, almost dangerously bold. But the doxology affirms that Paul knows that God can do what Paul asks him to do. And so he concludes, now unto him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ to all generations forever and forever. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, this is your church. This is the place where you do your work. And you do it through us, but it is not the only place, and it's not the only church, but it's the one we know, and it's the one that you have blessed through all the years and will continue to bless as time moves forward. I pray, Father, that the indwelling Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, you in us, would so enable us to grow this place that the glory all comes to you, and we give it to you. Thank you, Lord, for this time we share together. In Christ's name, amen. It is time to pray. Our call to prayer comes from the 46th Psalm. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let us pray silently for a minute. God of mystery and majesty, who started the clock and set time free, we approach you in boldness and confidence, knowing that you are near, that you hear, and that you care for each one of us, each one of us among the choicest of your creation. Your love for us exceeds our love for you because we don't understand you as fully as we would like, and if we did, we could not live as we do, encumbered by time and space and the natural limitations of body and mind. The best manifestation of our love for you then comes through pure devotion, complete obedience, and honest friendship, open to your guidance and willingness to serve you and others in your name. Bless our efforts here, O Lord that what we say and do, how we lead and love, the way we serve your world and your created order may be pleasing to you and a blessing to others. Father, Lord, life is tough. Instability and insecurity affect personal relationships, challenge statecraft, shake financial markets, create discord, and break the peace. From the long view of history, surely nothing much has changed but your surmounting presence, wisdom and love are pervasive and touch every dimension of our lives, though seen most likely in retrospect, producing an aha reaction as we figure it all out. Thank you, O Lord, for your gentle touch that blesses and encourages and strengthens and heals and saves. Lord, you know our pastor search team is moving wisely and well. Help each team member to be diligent in prayer, thorough in study and evaluation, and attentive to your voice. We know our future is secure because we're strengthened in our inner being. We're blessed by the indwelling Christ and filled with your powerful presence. Hear your people, Lord as they lift their voices in praise and supplication, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil
0: us is able to accomplish far more than we can ask or imagine. So as we give this morning, may we know that this God, who is at work in us and in our community, can also do far more with the money and the gifts and the talents than we can ever imagine. And may it be so. Let's all pray together. Gracious Lord, you have lavished upon us the riches of your glory. As Jesus fed the masses, providing enough for all with more than enough left over. So you have fed us and provided for us. You shelter us, you care for us, and bring us safely to each place in our journey. As you have given to us out of your abundance, we return our offering to you with praise and thanksgiving. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen.
1: A call to discipleship is a call to surrender, to give up yourself, your aspirations, your desires, your hopes, ambitions into the hands of Almighty God so that He can massage them and change them and use them in ways that will glorify His kingdom and bless you. So as you consider your work in the kingdom this coming week. I pray that you would begin each day with a prayer asking the Lord to show you what he would have you to do, and then walk with him as he indwells you to do his will. A call to Christian discipleship is also a call to join a local congregation where you can grow along with others in our Christian walk. And the doors of this church are open to you to make that decision as well. Either by accepting Christ as your personal Savior, by moving a membership from another congregation, uh, or by statement of your letter. You would be welcome in any case and in every case. And I pray that you will be blessed by your decision. Let us continue our service.
0: We're going to be seated for just a few minutes. Again, want to welcome those who are guests with us today. We have guests from Florida and Alabama and other parts of the country and here in Savannah as well. And so we welcome you here and we hope you have had a wonderful time with us and a wonderful time in Savannah as well. Just a couple of announcements. By reminder, next week, since it is a first Sunday, Uh, We will have a coffee and fellowship in Lewis Hall 15 minutes before uh, Sunday school starts at 9.30. So make sure you come and uh, ready for some good coffee. Um, And also, as has been uh, the Women of SBC's custom this summer, they are uh, having their yoga tomorrow night. And so if you want to come and yoga with them at uh, 6 o'clock, they will be in Lewis Hall. And um, I hear it's fun. I hear it's been going really good. So if you want to join them, you certainly can do that. I think that is it, and so if we can, let us all stand together for our uh, pastoral benediction, followed by our response.
1: The benediction, the good word from God is that I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and nothing you do or say can make me love you more or cause me to love you any less. So go with God in the midst of His love. Oh. listening to a worship service of First Baptist Church of Savannah. We also invite you to worship with us in person each Sunday at 11 a.m. in our sanctuary on Chippewa Square. All are welcome.